Hello, everyone. Today, I'm talking with Brian McDonald, president of National Braille Press and the founder of the Center for Braille Innovation. Hello, Brian. Hi, Edie. How you doing? Pretty good. Uh, thanks for chatting with us today. When was CBI created? I started working at National Braille Press in May of 2008. And we, we had to get a few things done ahead of time, so um, it wasn't until I kind of got my feet grounded that in the fall, I think it was October of 2008, I first made inquiries with uh, Dean Blasey, who many of our listeners may know. Uh, he's really one of the big pioneers of refreshable braille displays, and I called him as an inquiry about the idea of it, and then um, it was really more like January or February of 2009 before we officially kind of created a team. And why did you create the CBI? Well, the Center for Braille Innovation um, was, in my opinion, needed for a few reasons. When I first got there, I was new to the blindness field, but I had done a lot of homework, and I realized that in, back in those days, a refreshable braille display would cost five to $10,000 each. So it was very expensive, very prohibitive for a lot of people and families and schools. So my first interest was, let's see if we can do something to at least make apps or ways that children can learn also to learn braille when they're not getting it in school because they don't get enough learning but then i realized we should also see if we can make a better mousetrap a more affordable braille display that everyone could afford to have it eventually so that was the concept behind it it was very simple initially like this is way too expensive it's it's not accessible because of price even never mind you know m maybe better features and so I, I started exploring who were the real inventors and pioneers, and, and that's how I started inquiring about it. And uh, you mentioned Dean Blasey. Who else was initially involved on the team? Yeah, Dean was my first call. It was really exciting for him to, uh, to get involved, and, and he became a good friend over the years. He, he um, donated all of his time. He, he donated to us financially as well. He flew with me to China and all over the United States and we presented papers and met with other inventors and researchers across the world and um, and that's and then we recruited the rest of the team which was uh, a guy named Sun Lee who was uh, chief technology officer at Motorola. Um, uh, some people, some of your listeners will know Noel Runyon who was a, is still a great inventor and creative genius. Um, also, Keith Shaw, who uh, in those days was one of the old guys that had been involved. And then we, we just broadened it to teachers and researchers and um, other educators. So we ended up having a team of 25 people, and we'd meet monthly. And because people were all over the, in different countries and different parts of the U.S., and so we always had a virtual kind of call uh, to regroup. But that's how it got started, yeah. Oh, wow. I I didn't realize that uh, there were so many folks there right at the beginning. Um, so what were the initial goals of Center for Braille Innovation? Did you guys kind of lay out a roadmap or was it um, more open? Well, it, the first thing we did was we, the, the smaller team initially, uh, like five or six of us, was to start reaching out literally around the world and identifying every research project that had to do with refreshable braille. 
So we actually did a white paper at the time with 32 projects that were going on at the time, and we, we you know, published it and pre presented it. And um, at that point, we also said, what, what has changed since Dean had re technically retired? And it was disappointing, he said, that there really wasn't any new innovative changes that had happened in the last eight years of his, his break. So we started really looking at new technologies, and that's what this CBI, Center for Brain Innovation, was about. What are the emerging technologies that we could use that maybe weren't even being used for Braille before or refreshable Braille? And that's when it really got more interesting, and we started looking at what possible methodologies even could work that haven't been tested yet. So we, we had two courses of action. We said, let's look at making um, a more affordable Braille display. And then we also said, let's do the search for the Holy Braille, which was a phrase that Dean and Noel Runyon had created like 25 years ago. Um, <laughs> that they, wanted yeah. a, they, they literally wanted to be, make a full page of Braille, just Braille. And, um, and it, you know, there were a couple that had been made over the years, but they were huge and, you know, ridiculously expensive, never to be for mass market. So that was the thing. With the new technologies, we thought we could, we could really identify a way to do that that's affordable, you know. So that was the first project. And then, uh, at, well, the first two projects, make a better traditional portable Braille display, but also a full-page Braille display. But after about six months into it, we, were, we had raised money. We, had, we had, you know, were actually actively fundraising for this. And... Um, I realized, because we do standardized tests at National Borough Press, that I'm missing a big piece of this. Yes, we wanted multiple lines for kids to, you know, with STEM to be able to read a complex equation or a science formula or whatever, but uh, I went, oh, this is stupid. We should be making a graphic output too, because the graphics are just as important as multiple lines of Braille. So we actually, where we had started making a full page of just Braille, we, we kind of stopped and regrouped and and kept five rows of Braille, 40 cells across, and then the area above it on a full-page Braille display would be all graphic area. And that was just a guess. We didn't know, you know, is five rows of Braille, 40 cells across, enough to read a complex equation, or do you need six? Or No one had ever tested any of this, so um, that's kind of where we, where we jumped into the, kind of a graphic tablet Braille display and a, a single-line Braille display. Those were the two projects initially. So tell us about the Braille display that you guys were able to develop. Yeah, so uh, Dean, Dean was certainly a pivotal part of that, having done that in his prior life. And so we did create the B number 2G, B2G for Braille to go. And we did a production run of it uh, that we launched it officially in 2016. So it took a long time for us to really get to the point of you know mass production and also raising, you know, one and a half million dollars uh, over the years to do the research, development, and then production. Um, but but it became a pretty good product. It was kind of a high-end product, to be honest. Uh, we sold every one of them that we produced, which is, it, it took, you know, two and a half years to get get them all sold. So we're not producing them anymore. But um, I'm proud of some of the things it had that were very unique. Um, a very high-end word editor that I think I'll launch actually in the Play Store this year. But also, um, uh, we, we created the first FEMA app for emergency broadcast alerts uh, that we 
we were the only Braille display that they ever were able to get successfully to, to make an app that would work with a emergency broadcast system. And, and we actually had a customer last year during one of the tornadoes call us and say it, it, you know, she was excited. She said, it saved my life. She said the TV was just saying how big it is and how big the storm is and all this stuff. And uh, I'm sorry, it wasn't a tornado. It, it was a um, hurricane. But she said only the FEMA alert from my, my area, my county, would tell me exactly what I needed to know. So that was pretty neat. So we were, we were happy that we created it, and, um, and we still support customers out there. And um, it's, it's, it was a great, a great entry into the market. And so what about the graphic tablet? Where are you guys with that? So we continually work. We're working with the, an offshore of the University of Michigan. It's, it's um, now gone into a private uh, organization of their own called New Haptics. Um, we're working with them continually, and they've made a lot of good progress, but they're not done yet. But um, I, I've said along to everybody in, that we connect with through CBI is that our goal at National Braille Press is to make the highest quality, most affordable Braille or graphic display that can be made. And, and that isn't just by, you know, a design. It has to be produced correctly, too, for mass production and to make the cost lower and durable, you know, and all that. So I've said to everyone, whoever gets it first wins. So it is kind of a race. We're working with Michigan. We're working with uh, a another offshoot from uh, NC State, uh, Polymer Braille, and we're working with the dot company trying to find things that they've been doing in Korea. So we have a lot of projects um, that we're working on and others that I can't talk about even publicly. So um, we, we definitely feel that we're still at the forefront of that, even though no one's come out with the perfect solution yet. And it isn't easy for a graphic display to, to do everything people want. So we're working on it. That's one of my big goals before I ever retire is to try and find a really good solution for that. Well, that's great. And it, it sounds like you, you've got a team of really excited, talented, and innovative, no pun intended there, um, folks who are, I think could probably make it happen. So that's great. And then um, another part of the Center for Braille Innovation that some of our listeners probably heard of is the Touch of Genius Award. How did that come about? The Touch of Genius was founded the year before I, I started National Braille Press, and I have to give credit to the Gibney Family Foundation that funded it um, for a five-year term initially, which was very generous of them. But the concept behind it was to, to support innovative methods or technologies or for learning in in Braille or tactile learning. It doesn't have to be Braille only. And um, over the years it's evolved, we've pushed more and more into technology and how it could be beneficial for, for products and for learning. Um, so it was, it's still software, hardware, curriculum development, or, or some unique product that had a tactile support to it. Um, but, it but over the years we've had some great things. And what it's best for and why it's under the Center for Braille Innovation is because over the years we've really developed where we've we are international as an award now, and we've had you know 19 to 25 applicants a year from probably 11 to 12 countries overall, and and it really has been a great feeder for us to also identify projects that weren't on our radar that could be a, 
an interesting CBI concept to develop and bring to market. And, and that's actually happened in a couple of the winners over the few years. So, so that's exciting. Tell us a little bit about this year's winners. This past year, we had two uniquely um, different awards. One was for uh, a product called Candoables, which is on the market now. And it's a tactile way of having braille labeling for cans and whether it be soup or um, larger types of cans. Uh, they're all, all types of labels for them. Um, and the other one was a product that um, we, we, we really hope to bring to market from an individual who has spent most of his career in science. And, and he designed a portable um, Braille periodic table. What's neat about it, 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 it is in print and Braille. So for those that have uh, low vision, it's, it still could be helpful and as they're learning Braille. But it has the periodic table, but it's in a very unique shape that folds flat. So it is portable in that it's, a, it's almost like a, a small little tablet size when it's folded up. And um, but you can open it up and read literally around it, um, uh, and it's organized in such a way that, from a chemistry point of view, it makes a lot of sense. And I think it's a really great tool that we could bring to market. So, what are some of the other innovations that have won Touch of Genius awards? Well, I think uh, one of the ones that really uh, took off was uh, back. I think they won in 2013, even. And, and it was two MIT students that were PhD candidates, and they created a tactile caliper, which was the name of it. We ended up naming it. And then the next one that people might know of as well is the BrailleMe, which is a 20-cell Braille display, a lower cost, much lower cost, you know, under $500 or right around $500. And it doesn't have all the bells and whistles of a B2G or the um, full, full servicing type Braille displays. But you can you can download books. It's it's like a kind of a Kindle for book reading and taking simple notes in a text format, like grocery lists and things like that. But um, it, it had a magnetic approach to actuating the Braille, which was new at that point, and that was so innovative about it to win the award. And and we've also worked with them to help bring it to market over the years. Well, Brian, thank you so much for chatting with me today. If any of you listeners out there would like to know more about the Center for Braille Innovation, visit the National Braille Press website, nbp.org. And while you're there, sign up for our e-news for the most up-to-date information on all things National Braille Press.